Hey guys, this is April and this is from the heart of A. This is the podcast where we'll be keeping God first because we know he's always taking us higher and higher in him. We'll also be talking black culture, entrepreneurship, and women empowerment. Stay tuned. Today is a really good one, you guys. Today, we're talking all about overcoming adversities. So I have a really, really, really special guest for you guys today. He has overcome a stroke, three brain surgeries. He's battled depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, and he's even overcome opioid addiction. So please allow me to welcome to you guys, Mr. Kawan Glover. What's going on, Kawan? Thank you for having me, April. It's a truly a pleasure and honor to be here with you and your audience. So I'm here and I'm here to tell my story. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from, stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm 26 years old, turned 27 in December. I was born in Richmond, Virginia. Moved to mm-hmm. Upper Marlboro, Maryland, which is where I currently am. Went to University of Maryland, studied finance, and mm-hmm. life took a different turn. So now I'm, I started a coaching business in January 2019. I wrote my first self-published book, and I'm an inspirational communicator and a serial overcomer. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Kawan, before we dive into this episode, it is tradition to always ask my guests a would you rather question, all right? Okay. Okay, so your question is, would you rather go to a movie by yourself or go to dinner by yourself and why? Well, the movie will be free at some point at home on your TV, (laughs) so I'm going to go with the dinner because I'm a big food guy. I love all kinds of food, so... And right. you know, who knows? You might even have leftovers you can take home and eat the next day. So I'm going <laughs> right. to dinner all the way. And since you said that, I would have said the food first, but you're right. I could take that <laughs> dinner home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie I've seen in the theaters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so Kawan, let's dive into this episode. You have gone through a stroke brain surgery um you even mentioned you battled with depression and anxiety so can you just kind of start from the beginning and just kind of take us on your journey of how all they got started yeah so um it really started the summer of 2014. Mm-hmm. uh i know when i was working with a mentor Jane, um brent simpson i was working with him in, in the finance department uh, we're working at his home office. And one day I was driving there and my arm, my right arm started to drift down. I couldn't mm-hmm. understand why I couldn't control it. And I started to lose balance and coordination of my fingers. He got to his house that day and he, he just looked at me like real funny, like, dude, are you okay? And I was like, right. in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But out of my mouth came, and I couldn't yeah. formulate the words. I couldn't write things on the paper. So his wife told me I needed to go to the doctor. That doctor ran some tests and that doctor sent me to a hospital. And six hours later, they gave me a CAT scan and said, you have a lesion on your brain. And wow. I was 20 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have some of my brain, fix it. Like, what are you right. telling me about it? Just get it out. 
And they right. were like, no, we're gonna send you to another hospital. So they sent me to George Washington Hospital. Okay. And they did an MRI and they said there was something called the cavernous malformation. But again, at 20, I'm just like, I don't care what it's called, just get it out. Right. And they said, no, we're gonna monitor. So they sent me home. And a couple of days later, the symptoms got worse. I was back. And then we had the first operation on August 15, 2014. And then again, at that time, still being 20, I wasn't able to comprehend the fact that I was having brain surgery and how that right. would affect me long term. So I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I had the procedure and within a week I was back in school. Wow. Which is real, where the real problem kind of started. And mm -hmm. um, within a month of returning to school, I was back doing everything college kids do. And a month later I had a stroke. Wow. And that was on September 17th through 18th when I had that stroke. So mm -hmm. today is like my six year anniversary of the stroke. Happy anniversary. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, from there, I went on to have a different bouts of depression, two more surgeries, but one of the first aha moments I had was at the end of rehab, they have a, a there's something called an outing where you and <laughs> your stroke cohorts could go out and see how you manage things in the public. One of the tasks we were assigned was to handle money in transaction. Okay. So I was in line, it was, a, it was one of the guys in my group in front, and it was another lad, and it was me. And, you know, he was having trouble with the money. And I was just, you know, being patient. But the lady in front of me was just like, huh. Right. And I was like, you can't be serious, right? Right. Like, and it, it dawned on me that she was getting frustrated. She felt impatient. And then in that, that night, when I got back to my room, I was just like, wow, maybe that's how I was treating other people. Maybe that's how I see, saw other people. Maybe I didn't have the perspective to view everybody as where they are instead of where I think they should be. And that was yeah. one of my first big transformational moments. And that stroke, you know, I had been an athlete. I had played football. I had run track. I had boxed. So to wow. have, have from my body not being in my control was debilitating. So, you know, running to fall into a depressive state in the hospital, having an ambling experience, uh, it's just really debilitating and defeating for someone at that age. You know, I didn't turn 21 until after I got out of the hospital the first time. So it was just really, really traumatic, even though I didn't see this trauma when it first happened. Yeah, it, it, it led to a lot of things that we'll talk about later on in this interview. Okay, that's good. That's good. So you mentioned you all that happened before you even turned 21. Yeah. So did like your friends around you kind of know that you had fell into that depression and how you kind of felt like internally? Not necessarily because the, the way I was in school was kind of like everything was transactional and you couldn't get in my inner circle like, yep. if you weren't in my inner circle, you didn't exist. Like, wow. you, you were a mark, a target, a yep. transaction. There was no interpersonal, interpersonal relationships if you weren't in my tight circle. So right. when I came back, I, I remember a, a friend of mine knows specifically, she said, you're just different now. And, mm -hmm. you know, life, life will humble you. And it I was definitely humble. So this was uh, coming back to school, spring 15. 2015 that summer i fell into a massive depression i mm -hmm. didn't move from my couch to my apartment mind you i went back to the apartment where i had the stroke so i was okay. essentially living in my trauma 
I, I didn't move from that couch. I watched right. all seven seasons of Sons of Anarchy. And <laughs> right. I didn't move. And then I had a strange experience. So I, I joined a fraternity. And one of our line brothers, uh, his name was Chief. And, you know, sometimes he just comes and knocks on my door. At this point, he had already graduated. So right. he, I guess I left my door open. And he just kind of wandered in. And, and like I guess he was drunk or something. He just gave me a hug. He was like, you're going to be all right. And yeah. he just left. I was like, what the hell was that? Right. Like, why'd you, how did you, okay. And then right. things started <laughs> to turn around and uh, I got an internship and things started to turn around. But back in September again, something about the month of September that just does not like me. Mm-hmm. So we went to see my doctor after another MRI. And normally he says, um, yeah, it looks fine. Your images look fine. There's something there. I can't tell what it is, but you're, you're fine. This right. time he came into the room. He said, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but it seems like the mass is growing back bigger and faster. Mm-hmm. And and my, my mom instantly broke down. My dad was just looking around. And I don't know, there was some type of inner hero that hopped out. And I was just like, sign me up for next surgery. Right. Like, everybody was like, what? <laughs> right. And my doctor was like, so you don't think about it? I was like, no, send me up. Right. And then, you know, we had the first, the second surgery on October 1st, 2015. Mm-hmm. And between that appointment um, and the surgery, I decided that I didn't want to live anymore. Like, I was done. I was tired. Yep. I was tired of fighting. I was just like, if I don't wake up, great. So be it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had the surgery. And then the surgery, you know, I had a dream. And I didn't, it didn't register me at the time, but now it does. Um, in the dream, I wake up in this white room void, whatever you're going to call it, and I'm mm-hmm. throwing punches going back to my boxing days. I'm wearing a, a hoodie right. and a jean jacket, and then it starts to rain, and then the rain turns black, and it starts falling down, and I stick my hand out, but it's not touching me. So mm-hmm. I start to, at that point, I'm like, what's going on? Then I float up. I start to float up. I lose my human form. And mm-hmm. then at that point, I'm watching it from two different perspectives. So I'm seeing a point of view, and I'm watching, like, I can't, a painter will look at this canvas. But by yeah. the time I get up to the top of the canvas, there's, like, a hand that's, like, stopping me. and pushes mm-hmm. everything back down in reverse. And then the last thing I hear is, you're not done yet. And then I wake up, and I'm back in the hospital. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, that's the kind of the first half of my story. I mean, it gets really lengthy, but, you know, that's the why I say the first real halfway point of my journey. Okay, okay, okay. So when did, like, the second half kind of begin to shift into your life? So it, it kind of immediately started. I, I guess mm-hmm. that's my own halfway point. When I woke up from the surgery, they had a, something called, give me something called a spinal tap. And okay. That, drains your fluid out of your brain and what people don't often realize is that your brain doesn't ever touch your skull mm-hmm. so when it would drain the fluid my brain would basically knock it around against my my skull and i right. just had surgery so it's like that's not supposed to happen right and they were giving me fentanyl which is like heroin or steroids to deal with the pain okay and you know on a scale from one to ten they usually rate pain but it was like a 37. So I was like, ah, I don't know if I can You do was it. hurting, right. You yeah. was hurting. <laughs> and they, the doctor said I would to keep it in for five days. So I was counting minutes, hours, seconds until it was over. 
Uh, yeah. Fentanyl helped, but it started compressing my chest cavity. And um, they took me over that, put me on Percocet. And then I went back to school, maybe not in the fall, but the spring of 2016, back to okay. school. And um, one day I was doing homework and I looked at my desk. I was looking for a pen and uh, I found a prescription for Percocet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll just go fill this just in case I need it. From then on, I started abusing the prescription, getting in the cough syrup and different things like that. Um, yeah. I, I, at one point, I decided that this is no longer serving me, so I kicked all of that. I was taking cold turkey, and then that's when the depression came back, like, oh, you didn't yeah. forget about me. You was on all these pills, and I wasn't right. around, but I'm right. back with a vengeance, <laughs> right. buddy. So um, I fell into another depression. I really was contemplating suicide. Yeah. But things started to turn up. I got a girlfriend and she encouraged me to go to therapy and change my mindset and just invested in my emotional well-being. So right. I made it to school, graduated, walked the stage to 2017, um, May 23rd. And I started working on May 25th, 2017. So I had a job, had a girl, I had my own place, I had my own car. Everything was looking up. Right. And then September rolled around. Yeah, I just don't get it. About September. Another September, and um, I started having a headache. I was like, "Ain't no way! This is not possible! This is not possible!" And um, I went to again Brent's office. We are now moved offices, and we were right. filming something. And then I sat back on my desk, and I was just like, "Yeah." Like he looked at me and said the same thing. Are you okay? You need to go mm-hmm. to the hospital. And I stood. I was like, yeah. And then he immediately jumped into action. He wanted to pick up his girls. He dropped me off at home. We were on the way to the hospital. And this time, you know, doctors did the same thing. They checked me out. Right. Come back when you're better or when your symptoms get worse. This time I lost sensation in my face here. I lost mm-hmm. sensation in my mouth on the left side. I lost a lot of functionality on my right side. Numbness all the way down. Uh, lost a lot of my vision here. A lot of incessant ringing in my ear so it was to really i had become a whole different person my spirit yeah. was really broken i did start a gofundme but i didn't expect anything of it um mm-hmm. so we went out looking for a doctor first doctor we saw up at rutgers because dr sherman our first surgeon was like we tried two different ways time for a new doctor he said uh you know the guy we saw was confident i was like yes this is the guy uh, right went out to the financials, they don't take my insurance. I was like, God damn it. And then, um, <laughs> right. you know, we searched another doctor. This guy said, if you don't get something done in three, six months, you're going to die. I'm like, okay, you're going to do it? He's like, no. And I was like, okay, so what you tell me that for? And, um, you know, all of those doctors ended up meeting at a conference and decided Dr. Lou at Rutgers was the one to do it. Um, so we did that. Surgery was 15 hours. Meanwhile, before he had left, my GoFundMe had raised $48,000 in the first two days and seventy five in the first week. So wow. it was trending and everybody was spreading it. So that yeah. was, you know, really positive. Um, in the hospital, again, 15-hour surgery. Afterwards, a lot of infections, a lot of mental confusion, a lot of blood clots, just different stuff yeah. keeping my hospital safe longer. When I got back to rehab, I went through that process, talked to a therapist that I was good. Once I got out of it, I was just like, what now? You know, right. I my whole life fighting this 
it, illness, this condition, and now right. I don't have to fight anymore. So what is my purpose? And I fell into another depression and just un- trying to accept the fact that this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. So in January of 2018, I just got on Facebook and started talking and mm-hmm. everything started becoming more positive. I got, you know, back into work. Uh, you know, I got some support from the school and that's where the first book ends. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I absolutely love that. So my next question to you is, um, at what point in your life did you sit down and say, okay, I'm choosing to fight for my life and to overcome everything that I'm dealing with? Um, what did that, or what did that look like for you? Have you ever seen the movie, The Revenant? I have not. Okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio Rubio movie, and space officers guy, they survived the bear attack. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, he survived the bear attack, people tried to, they murdered his, his kid, they left him for dead, but he continued to fight. And it was around that 2018 time period when I, you know, manifested that, you know, a revenant is someone who just basically comes in from the dead. Mm-hmm. Can't be killed. And, you know, I adopted that mentality. So that was around 2018. But when I officially became clear and accepting of my current state and accepting of where I am and where I come from in my journey was August 22nd. I was 2020. And that'll be covered in further books. But that was the first time I could write in my journal. Today, I feel whole. And everything that wow. I've been through is behind me. And now the basis of everything that I do is gratitude. Because once I get up my feet, touch the ground, everything after that is a bonus. That's it. That's it. And I say that statement again, I feel whole. And I think a lot of times we have to kind of keep that in our minds, like no matter whatever we're dealing with or facing with, at the end of the day, we should always feel whole. Absolutely. And because I spent so much time living in the physical vicinity of my trauma, like I went back to that apartment where I had stroke. I lived in an apartment where I had some of the brain trauma and pain and injuries. Now I'm back, you know, back home and I'm in a different environment where everything was okay when I was here. So I can breathe a little easier and I just root myself in every present moment and don't take life for granted. The things that you discover about yourself and near-death experiences are irreplaceable experiences. And uh, I just feel empower to share my story and that is really my purpose on this planet you know times right now seem dark and uncertain but the sun must rise absolutely absolutely every day the sun goes down where the world turns and night comes but the sun even if you can't see it the sun will rise there is light at the end of the tunnel and that's the message i'm spreading today like you know with this with this book I really feel like it'll inspire hope and change in people and they're going to understand that even though times are tough and their challenges and their struggles and their tests that seem insurmountable, they can right. become your testimony. They can become your championship. They can become your biggest success. And my whole ordeal has been the best gift I've ever been given. And I'm grateful for everything I've learned, for everything I've experienced. And I'm looking forward to using what I've learned to make a better world, to change the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Kwan, I want you to do this. 
if there is a suicidal person that may be listening to this podcast or someone dealing with depression or anxiety, what advice that yourself? You know, a lot of times depression and anxiety are cousins, but they go in opposite directions. So anxiety is when you're like, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if this? What if that? What if that? And your mind is racing constantly about right. what can happen in the future. It's a fear-based mindset. Right. Depression is kind of like looking back like, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish things would go back to the way they were, which is why it hit me so heavily. And suicide, suicide ideations, they're... In my case, I felt like they were manifestation of the limiting beliefs I had created for myself. Mm-hmm. Understand that you, first of all, people need to understand they're not alone. You are not yes. alone. There are people yes. that experience this. There are resources. There are hotlines. There are people you can talk to that understand and can better help even than I can. I've yes. experienced those things, but it's often, oftentimes you see the person isolating themselves, start to give right. away things starting to pull away from activities they enjoy. Right. The world is, becomes devoid of color. And sometimes they just need a little splash of paint on the mm-hmm. world when they experience it. So it's a lot of times about internal, internally, with the battle you're facing, but it's also about a community around you. Get yeah. those people to break your thought patterns. Root yourself in the present moment because there's never going to be a time like right now and now right. and now and now, now because there's never a now because it's always things are happening in this moment right. so embrace the moment that's in front of you not the one that's behind you or in front of you or the beliefs you may have manifested or may have been you have to retrain your brain to you are more than enough you're more than a conqueror. Yes. i love you and there are people out there that are willing to help so again one of the things that i always say is the darkest night always comes for the brightest morning and yep. your money your morning is coming. The sun will rise. So see it through. Push. Persist right. until something happens. That's it. That's it. And I'm about ready to shout because you 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 bless me and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I really appreciate you just saying that to someone who may be listening. Um, understand that you are not alone, just as Kwan said, you are not alone. And help is always available. All right. Okay, so Kwan, let's kind of move on just a little bit further. You just recently became an author, or did you already kind of write your book already? No, it just came out this time. Okay, and congratulations on, is it your first book? Yes. Okay, so congratulations on your first book. And do you mind just telling us the name of your book? Okay, the book is called Favor, How Struggle and Surgery Helped Me Find My Life's Purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really... A story that uh, a look, it tells my story in detail, but I realize it's it's for inspiring hope. You know, in these times, this pandemic, this political turmoil, everybody right. is up in arms and divided, and they don't see the silver lining. They don't see the light in the darkness. They don't see the end of the tunnel where the light shines through. And this is a story that embraces vulnerability and empathy yep. in my story to shed light on the fact that there is, there's always hope. There's Absolutely. always, always hope. And, um, you know, it's called favor because, you know, my grandma always said favor ain't fair. It's just That's favor. It. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's just favor. And 
you know, I had a conversation recently and the guy said, you know, when I think about favor, I think about someone asking you a favor. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is the story. This is the book, the creator of the God or whoever you believe in, this is the favor he'd asked me to do all my life. To mm-hmm. have the story to share with the world and I've been avoiding it. Been trying to be an athlete, been trying to be a business guy, been trying to do this and that. And he was like, yo, I asked you to do this, like, a long yes. time ago. So every time you veer off this track, I'm going to correct course. And yeah. It manifested in this book. Um, took me a while to really get serious about it, but now it's done and it's available on Amazon and Kindle and paperback. Mm-hmm. I think that finishing of it allowed me to really reach a place of fulfillment, of wholeness, of my mission is really taking shape. So um, I think, you know, you should get the book, the Kindle or paperback. And I think if you get it, you don't have to tell my other buy it. You can share it with them. I'm not concerned about how you get the book. Just absolutely. get it, read it, and I think it'll change your life. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, you said your book can be purchased on Amazon, Kindle, and what else? Just, it's, it's strictly through Amazon right now. Okay. Um, it may later, maybe other bookstores right now, it's strictly on Amazon. I'm going to get pay- copies and you can buy directly from me but right okay. now it's on amazon absolutely amazing and kawan thank you so so much for joining me on this episode of overcoming adversity there's always remember as we said the entire episode you are first of all you are whole always remember that and you are amazing and just keep in the back of your mind that people care about you people love you and at the end of the day god made you in his perfect image and in his perfect will all right so again kawan thank you so much for joining me today is there anything else you want to let our listeners know uh you can reach me at overcome adversity today at gmail.com on facebook at overcome adversity with kawan on instagram at kawan glover on Twitter at Kawan underscore Glover, on LinkedIn at Kawan Glover. Anything, right. if you just Google my name, you'll find me. Um, you can DM, DM me, send me an email. I'm looking forward to sharing my story, having a conversation. You can look into my story, my book, or my coaching program. Um, I'm willing and able to talk. So let's start a dialogue so you can reach the ultimate victory in your life. Absolutely amazing. All right, you guys. So until next time, again, I'm your host, April Harris. And This is from the heart of A.